Now, the Wealth Protection Diva is a successful entrepreneur, business owner, and premier business strategist, president and CEO of Sage International Incorporated, and a national speaker, best-selling author, and motivational teacher of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies, the joys and frustrations of being a business owner. Her insights are motivating, her frankness inspiring. Here is Sherry Hill. Capitalism, done consciously, is the most powerful system for uplifting humankind to unimaginable levels of prosperity, peace, and happiness. I have long believed that companies have a responsibility to balance profitability with a positive social impact. Businesses galvanized by higher purposes that serve and align the interests of all their major stakeholders— Businesses with conscious leaders who exist in service to the company's purpose, the people it touches, and the planet we all inhabit. My guest, Margie Stagmeyer, partner in TriStar Real Estate Investment based in Atlanta, Georgia, is known as the compassionate capitalist. She is an accomplished real estate asset manager, entrepreneur, nonprofit founder, author, and affordable housing and education solutionist. Pioneers rarely walk an easy path, but Margie Stagmeyer is convinced her property model and brand of caring capitalism can transform communities and still make a profit for its investors. She is changing the lives of her tenants, one apartment complex at a time. Welcome, Margie. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Well, let's begin with the idea that a conscious business believes that creating value for all their stakeholders is intrinsic to the success of their business. So you started out going, I want to be a compassionate capitalist. Tell me how you got to that place. So I am an apartment landlord, and I like to buy large blighted apartment communities near low-performing schools. You know, and I have to confess, at the start of my career, I measured my success in dollars and cents. And I call landlords who do that um, commodity landlords. They're only interested in the money and flipping communities. So over time, I realized that I was in a unique position as a landlord to actually start measuring success by community capital, meaning were my tenants truly benefiting? Were the rents affordable? Were they able to stay in place and raise their families and form a community? So I've evolved into what I call a community landlord, where I truly measure the success of our apartment communities by the prosperity of not just our tenants, but also, you know, the school, our volunteers involved, you know, my bottom line as well. And what I've found is in the long term, you actually have a more profitable business um, performance by everybody, including your tenants. Well, it's interesting. I mean, millions of people currently live in public housing, you know, thanks to government policies and programs. Really, it's a billion-dollar industry. But in solving poverty, we must get down to the home-by-home, street-by-street level, and strengthen our community institutions. And Margie, the fact that you target blighted apartment communities near failing elementary schools, I mean, these are neighborhoods, not just a project. Correct. Um, It's a neighborhood where there is very little community capital, and the community capital there is usually controlled by the drug lords. 
and that's what we target. We're specifically looking to improve the community capital. Um, and when you do the big blighted apartment communities, you find that the whole entire neighborhood actually thrives. So because businesses are more interested in coming back and opening up, right? So I imagine there's elements of entrepreneurship, small business. Obviously, I don't know that anyone doesn't agree that, you know, education is a great equalizer. And so when you look at a failing elementary school, obviously that transcends for, uh, you know, these young kids into adult life. So how is it you figure out, um, you know, because there's a lot of them out there. How do you pick which one? Is it just, let's just pick one and start? Or <laughs> So really, we do it backwards. We look at the large blighted apartment communities. And I can tell you 100% of the time that I've looked at the local school, the school's all always failing. So we start with the apartment community first. We only target apartment communities near low-performing schools. And um, a lot of people don't realize this, but what causes schools to be low-performing is, is predominantly something called transiency. And transiency is a movement of children during the school year. And housing is the biggest contributor to transiency. So if you have you know, uh, an apartment community where the landlord raises rents 100 to $300, well, pretty much all your tenants are going to move, and they're going to take their children out of the school, and every time a child moves, they lose three months of learning. And unfortunately, there is no way to teach through transiency. You know, there's no plan that a school can address tra- transiency. You know, you, you can't throw money at it because it's completely out of their control. So when we started understanding this, we decided to use housing to stabilize families' lives. And by doing that, you actually reduce transiency in the local school, and you start seeing the school starting to thrive. Um, One more thing to add is we also add resident wraparound services. So in our properties, there is a free after-school program that partners with the local school and a free summer camp. And so we have an educational partnership with the school and we step in and really help that child if they have any areas of improvement. So not only are we lowering the transiency, but we're helping the children in an organic way be able to address their weaknesses and actually thrive in their, their educational status. Talk about the fact that, you know, for many, many years, especially government, they think they can come in and save the day by pumping more money into a problem, right, which doesn't typically work. How important is it in your model that the community, the people that are living there, the people that are experiencing these problems are engaged to change those results? We, it's very important, and I'm glad you brought that up. You have to have community buy-in. One of the things we do is we do tenant association meetings, and it's actually quite astounding to see tenants come together for the first time and start building that sense of community and that trust that's so essential for families to thrive. You know, before we would purchase the property, you know, they were very high crime properties. They didn't trust their neighbor. They typically didn't trust the property management. um, And they tended to live in a silo. Um, But once you remove the the crime and give tenants a platform for them to come together, it's just simply amazing. Um, we had a our first tenant association meeting at a property we had that was severely blighted. And at that very first meeting, they started organizing a job fair amongst them and trash pickup. I mean, it was there are people out there 
that really want to be engaged in safe, thriving communities. They really want to know their neighbors. Um, it's up to landlords to create that platform to make to build community trust and allow them that opportunity to, well, to participate. Well, obviously. And so when we come back to kind of the idea that, you know, the major stakeholders, the people that are uh, investing in these properties expect a return on their investment. But obviously, if the community is thriving and businesses are showing up and kids are um, the school system uh, is now not failing them because they are stable. I mean, I can only imagine your board meetings and how excited everybody is because you're changing literally um, community by community. There is a lot of excitement, and we had one in particular. It was a huge property, 446 units in North Atlanta. Up until the point we took over that severely blighted property, the local school, which was Brumby Elementary, had no homeowners sending their children to that school. Anyone in that district sent their children to private school. But once we had um, we had 90 kids in our after-school program, and within five years, she was a Title I school of distinction. And all of a sudden, all the homeowners started sending their kids to the school. And, and she was just so excited that um, she was now attracting a different profile of tenants. Um, unfortunately, in these models, sometimes the success can get away from you, and now home prices start going up because the school starts thriving. So you've got to also be careful long term. Right. But I mean, it's a starting point, right? What what was and now what is what, a you know, if that's the worst of it, right? <laughs> that your your home yeah, exactly. increased in value, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you, Margie, do you go around and and really enlighten and share this model with other uh, landlords out there, not just within the state of Georgia, obviously, but around the country. I mean, are you trying to help other landlords understand the power of what this can do? Yes, we are. Um, we have a nonprofit that does the resident services um, called Star C, and it does a monthly virtual breakfast. And we're noticing we're starting to get more people attend that are outside of Georgia. Um, but also, I recently um, signed a contract to publish a book that will come out in June 2022 called Blighted, and it's basically the autobiography of a blighted apartment community. Um, I interview 15 people that are going through the, the renovation of this property, including the drug dealers, the, the families living there long-term, the property manager, the school principal. But the purpose is to enlighten and educate landlords and municipalities about how this model can be done and its success. That's awesome. So the name of the book is Blighted. And how would people find that book yes. when it releases in June? Well, you can go to New South Books slash Blighted and uh, pre-order. Awesome. All right. Well, let's do it. We have to go to break. When I come back, I'm going to pick up with Margie Stagmeyer, who is a partner in Tri Real Estate Investment based in Atlanta, Georgia, and she is known as the Compassionate Capitalist. We'll be right back. Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own, or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? First, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should, like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes? 
For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put a proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started in the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779 or visit sageintl.com. Poverty is not a life sentence. Those who are impoverished are not destined to a life of continued dependency, but have the capacity to rise if provided with support, guidance, and opportunity. Inspiration is a critical part of real lasting change. Committed community leaders who incorporate trust, reciprocity, and self-determination into relational treatment and healing become examples others can look up to and live by. Margie Stagmeyer and TriStar Real Estate Investment have developed a sustainable, affordable housing model which uses affordable housing communities to stabilize low-performing elementary schools, offers rents affordable for working poor families, and provides community wraparound services including free after-school programs, summer camps, health care, and community gardens. Margie, As a resource holder, someone who holds the keys to wealth, your ability to deploy it when and where it can make a difference in our nation means you are deeply committed to the needs of others above and beyond your own. The strength of your character lies not simply in a heart of compassion and a deep dedication to generosity, but in the commitment to act. That's what I want to talk about. A lot of people talk about the solutions or whatevers, but they really never follow through on the act. Let's talk about how important that is when you want to make change. Well, it's incredibly important because you can talk and think, but unless you actually act and do something, it's just talking and thinking. Nothing changes. You're an investment and an asset manager, right? So people invest with your organization and then you go out and find these blighted apartments that you're going to invest in. I can imagine as an investor, a typical investor would be like, what? Why are we going to start there? So kind of tell me, you know, how you help these investors understand that in order for all of us to rise, right, it, it takes all of us to invest, so I didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a compassionate capitalist. It, it happened just gradually. Um, and as we came across challenges, we just thought of creative solutions. So when I purchased a, a severely blighted 244-unit property in Atlanta, I needed to raise $11 million. And I had to do it in a way that my interest rate was as low as possible because people don't realize this. For every percent interest you pay your equity or your investors – you have to raise rents between 60 and $100 per month. So I was able to braid together a pretty creative, innovative capital stack. I call it capital stack gymnastics. But we were the first in Atlanta doing a social impact fund, for example. And we our fund started at 2% in year one, 3% in year two, and 4% in year three. So a, a blended cost or a blended return of 3.7%. You know, we really had to talk to a lot of people to raise the money that we needed. Um, I'd say typically if I need to raise money just for a regular apartment community that's going to give a you know, 15% return, I mean, I make two phone calls. But for this particular fund, I, I had to make hundreds of phone calls. But we were able to find conscientious investors who, are willing, who saw the mission, 
He saw kind of the triple bottom line that our our properties deliver as far as a return, and they they basically invested with us. And um, as part of the investment, we would do like semi-annual tours where they actually got to come to the property during the renovation. And uh, everyone really learned a lot, and I was really pleasantly surprised by how people were not only engaged from a financial commitment, but also just volunteer time and coming out and truly wanting to learn the model. So we we just got really innovative in how we raise money. Um, One of the other things we did is we got a foundation to give us a million-dollar basic loan at 0% interest. And this foundation had never done that before for this type of deal. So we had to really get out there and get innovative. I think today it's a little bit easier to raise money for social capitalism-type projects. But, you know, when we started this about five years ago, it was it was much more difficult. And, and definitely that, that trend is moving a lot of, you know, when you think of community foundations and big cities and people that are really interested in helping their communities, um, what community right now isn't battling massive homeless right? Issues. Well, you know, from your perspective, when you go into a neighborhood and, you know, the goal is to strengthen that community, get the blight out of the neighborhood, help the elementary schools. I mean, it's just, it has to be a model that many communities could be looking at right now. And so you mentioned your book, Blighted, that'll be coming out in June. And so perhaps you should mail that to every community foundation and city council <laughs> in the nation, that's, right? That's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and we we found that actually we've got the city of Birmingham now has um, started embracing our model, the city of Atlanta. We just got found out we may have a deal in Charleston. You know, a lot of municipalities own vacant land, either through their housing authority or through their school system. A lot of um, churches own vacant land, um, and you can partner with us and, and basically develop your land. And so that's another way we're spreading the model is we're willing to partner with organizations to basically help them um, improve their neighborhoods and their own, own community. Because in my opinion, TriStar in Atlanta can't control the communities. It's, I think it's actually better if you have local partnerships with people who are really invested in the ground and seeing their communities improve and thrive. Well, not only that, when you get the buy-in from, like you said, you go in where these neighborhoods, you know, a lot of drugs and graffiti and blight and everything, and when you bring in people that have lived it and done it and have risen up from that, what great advocates, right? They they can talk to these communities because they've been there and done that, and I imagine that's part of some of your onboarding is the people most effective are now creating the solutions as well. Exactly. If people are interested in learning more, Margie, about TriStar Real Estate Investment, uh, based in Atlanta, or your book, Blighted, or where where can we go to share this information and get the message out in a much bigger way? So you can come to our website at tristarinvest.com, or you can go to our nonprofit website called star-c.org, and you can learn basically how our community model works, and you can learn how our nonprofit works, because, you know, Really, to do transformational change in these neighborhoods, you need a lot of partners at the table. Um, and so you really do need a, a combination of a, a landlord and a, for-pro- a nonprofit, I'm sorry, 
to offer the resident wraparound services. And it's through that nonprofit that you can engage with local businesses and volunteers and churches, you know, and get that broad community support that's so essential to see these neighborhoods turn around and thrive. So how many times have you, you know, picked a property, blighted property, here you come, and, you know, how long does it take for you to really build that trust within the community? Because I'm sure they've seen it before. Money gets thrown in, nothing really changes. Um, I imagine there's there's a lot of groundwork. There's a tremendous amount of groundwork. And we have a specific sequence of capital that we follow. The very first thing you have to do in any of these communities is, is control it. Get, get security control over the site. I think once your tenants see that you're doing that, that's when you start really engaging them and building their trust. And then at that point, you start bringing in the nonprofit services. You start um, the renovation process. Um, you do the tenant association meetings. You invite, you know, the municipality. We've invited our mayors, our state senators, our school board members. You know, you start doing the community tours. So there is there is a method to the madness that we have found tremendous success in how we address these communities. Um, but, yes, it does take time. You have to be patient. It's very much a function of how the municipality participates with you. You know, we've been in communities before where it took us four years to get building permits. You know, we've been in other communities where it took us three months. So that's, you know, another big factor is how much the local municipality is going to buy into your model and support you. But overall, it takes between two to three years to really start seeing change in these communities. That's that's a long time. And, you know, so when government and municipalities talk about they want to fix things and change things and throw money at it, sometimes they're they're uh, they're the biggest obstacle, (laughs) which I find fascinating. Right. Well, two to three years is a drop in the bucket. Um, And that's really for completion. I mean, so the one we finished three years ago, you can go to that property property now or the one we bought it in 2018. That property now has a, a thriving school. It has a um, it's 100% leased. Um, the crime has plummeted, and the whole neighborhood now is starting to improve. And we keep our rents affordable for families making between twenty five and forty five thousand dollars a year. Um, so that it, it's slow sometimes, but to me, it's absolutely worth the time investment because you will you have to be patient to really get this right and to make it sustainable, which is what we do. Well, and then that will draw the attention of some of these larger companies to come in and go, wow, we have this amazing, stable workforce. Uh, Why don't we build a a plant, a warehouse, a distribution, something, because you've created a nice pipeline for workforce as well. So, Margie, just uh, some final words for our listeners. Well, thank you for your time um, to basically interview me and hear my story. And I have owned and managed over 3,000 apartment units. And I can tell you these properties in your communities can be renovated. And basically, you can use affordable housing to stabilize communities and help improve your education. We've done it over and over and over again. And to me, it's a replicable model. And we are available to help any community or landlord or anyone interested in the model because uh, we really see it as transformative for so many communities that need a good solution. 
Awesome. I want to thank Margie Stagmeyer for joining me today of TriStar Real Estate Investment. And I'm just so glad you were here to share this model and everything you're doing to really change lives. One apartment, one attendant, one neighborhood at a time. I want to thank everyone for tuning into the Sherry Hill Show, where business is amplified. The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Send her a message on Facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show and tune in next week, same time, same station for The Sherry Hill Show.